0: We all are leaders and leadership is a a trait, it's not a title, and you have the opportunity to affect those around you, um, whether it be on projects or whether it be in just something you're working on with your peers, like stand up and take the lead on whatever it is that you guys are working on.
1: Hey, everybody, I'm your host, Hampton Dorch, and I know that you know that I love that quote from Mallory Glessner You do not have to have a title to be a leader. Mallory, our guest today, is going to be talking about being a high D on the disc, a challenger. She'll also share some of her difficult upbringing and how a growth mindset helped her overcome challenging things. We'll talk about minimalism. She's also in continuous improvement. She shares a lot about what that means and how she's able to serve. Companies in that. And then we'll talk about uh, how she's parenting her two boys today. This is definitely not one that you're going to want to miss. It is time for you and me to wake up and lead. For any of you that've seen The Emperor's New Groove, you're like, oh gosh, Hampton, where are you going with this? Um, there is a character called Yzma. And my guest today has a wonderful Yzma impersonation I don't think I'm going to ask her to do it because I think she'd be embarrassed, but you should reach out to her and ask her to do it sometime. Uh, But anyways, Mallory Glessner, welcome to the show.
0: I'll never forgive you for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That, Yeah, that's actually one of her hidden talents. Um, I'm kidding. I posted something weird on LinkedIn about Yzma one time and Mallory said that she had a really good impression. And so we'll talk about that another time. But anyways... Thank you very much for joining me. Mallory is in our um, WildSpark. We're doing a free experience for uh, people from different companies to come together and, and go through some of our lessons. And so Mallory has been involved with that. I've gotten to know her through there. And we recently did the DISC assessment um, through our lesson called Identity. And we discovered that Mallory is potentially the highest of Ds I've, I've ever seen. <laughs> and and I I... I learned a lot from you as as you were processing and and talking about, um, you know, how you're able to use that for your strength, but also how you you've learned a little bit about how you've got to be careful in some situations. So, uh, what wh- what have what have you learned about yourself through the disc?
0: Yeah. So, the thing that I I realized with disc um, is that the different makeups actually have an associated title, so it was really interesting to me to learn that I'm a challenger is what they call my makeup, um, and most people, I think, when they immediately think of challenger, they're, you know, kind of taken back, like, oh, man, like, this person's just going to butt heads with everybody, and I don't think that's the case. I think maybe early in my career, I was a little more of a an aggressive, you know, bull that challenged everything, um, but I've definitely learned over the years to be much more um calculated in being able to challenge something but also listening to what everyone else in the room has to say and being able to take little pieces of you know everybody's thoughts and ideas in the room to really come up with a solution versus being a challenger that is you know that high d always right has to drive to the results and just you know go 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 Um, i'm not like that anymore. I've definitely learned to be more people oriented. So um, I hope that people no longer think, you know, man, she's just going to come in and change everything and challenge everything and kind of shake things up. I hope that now, you know, later in my career, they think, oh, she's going to come in and kind of help us grow and succeed and do things differently, but in a really positive and fun way. Um, So I think I used to be a little um, taken aback by the fact that I was as you say, the highest D you've ever seen, um, but I've I've learned how to manage that um, and and really be more people focused, and it's it's really been the most enlightening um, thing that I've gotten to grow through in my career.
1: Mm, I, I love that. Well, you're you're looking at. Um... The, the way that one of the ways that you've been wired and you found out how to turn it into a strength. And I can verify that, that Mallory is right because in our group, there's about 10 of us and we meet once a month. And at the end of uh, every one of our discussions, we want to walk away with an action step. And I can tell that Mallory always has one. She's ready to challenge us in a positive way. Um, and so it, it, it's cool to watch you use your strengths there. So we 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 appreciate you.
0: <laughs> I think that's the perfect example, though, right? I feel like I'm always very quiet and then you'll you'll wait for the room to just not say anything. And you're like, OK, I know you have one. (laughs) So whereas I think when I was younger, first starting out in my career, I had no problem just being the one to always kind of dominate the conversation and be the first to speak up if I had an idea. Now I know like it'll immediately come to me and you kind of see it on my face. You're like, okay, she just thought of something. Um, But I'm very quiet and I wait for everyone else to, you know, put a thought out there Um, and really just, you know, not just for checking the box to say, okay, I was quiet. Now I'm going to, I'm going to talk, but actually listening and using what they're saying to say, to kind of reframe my own thought process to say, okay, is my idea still good? Do I still want to bring it up or can I change it? Or should I just kind of go with the flow of, of their idea and build on that? So I'm, I'm making all of these strategic little decisions and almost like an a brainstorming whiteboard kind of map in my own head right of where to take the conversation and really just learning to think before i speak cuz challengers can sometimes be like just really loud and upfront mm-hmm. <laughs> um so so yeah i think that it's 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 more about you know listening now
1: oh yeah and and i'm with you i the I, i'm a d as well on the disk and and mine might not be quite as high but 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 i I see what you mean when someone's talking and I get this idea in my head, it's like burning at like my, myself. I, I, if I'm thinking about myself in more of an unhealthy state, I'm just waiting for them to stop talking and I'm likely not listening to them. So I can just blurt out what I've said. And that's something that I'm certainly trying to work on. It sounds like you definitely have too, where it's the whole thing of what is it listening to understand instead of listening to respond. Um, So this, this is great. So I want to hear a little bit of, of your story. I know that, that we all have long stories uh, and, and you could probably have a whole series on this, but um, if you take us back uh, to however far you want to go, I would just love to hear about some impactful moments in your life.
0: Yeah. So I'm not sure if you want really the professional path or the more personal path, but I'm, I'm happy to Maybe it, a little both. <laughs> yeah, a little insight into both. So, um, let me just jump right out of the gate here and tell you that both of my parents are convicted felons. <laughs> so when people meet me and they, they just kind of think I'm this loud and kind of, I've been called a little bit of, you know, like preppy and things like that. And that's just so not my character at all. Um, because of, you know, my upbringing and, and I feel like from a very young age, just being in all the different types of environments that I was in having parents like that, um, that I always knew even as a very small child that I wanted more for my life and that I could do things to get out of certain situations. Um, like I would always, mentor with teachers um asked to be on special you know after school projects like i would always get involved in things and just kind of built that growth mindset from a super young age and i I like to say that that kind of carried with me into my career. And so um, at 19 is really when I started, 1920 is is when I started continuous improvement as a lean leader at an aerospace and defense company um, in in Northeastern Pennsylvania. And I carried that growth mindset with me. I was always getting involved in extra things, um, was invited to be part of the lean leadership program, And then when we moved to Texas um, and I I joined the PEO space, I thought, man, I can definitely apply some of these um, Lean Six Sigma principles to the service space. And that's just what I started doing. And then um, mentored with one of the most incredible mentors I've ever had in my entire life um, at that PEO organization that I was in and just really worked with this individual to figure out how I could use that growth mindset in the organization and just continuous and continue to do continuous improvement in the service space. So I actually left that company and, and joined him at a different PEO. Um, and we've really just been rocking out this whole continuous improvement thing in the service industry for um, for quite a while now. So that's, that's kind of the, the road to how I got here.
1: That that was about a hundred thousand foot view, wasn't it? But but a great yeah. <laughs> view, and and so many questions about continuous improvement um, that I want to talk about. But I'm gonna rewind because I think it's really amazing that despite your circumstances, you you could have had a victim mentality, if you will. Of, oh, I've got hard things in my life. Woe is me. But it sounds like you ran in the opposite direction. I mean. Did somebody tell you, hey, you you should try to find a mentor? You should try to talk to your teachers? Or did you really just say, like, I I want a different life? I'm going to make it happen.
0: Yeah. So I became very curious about this and I started reading a lot of the research that Carol Dweck, she's one of the the original founders of really the growth mindset or the original American psychology researchers um, on the topic. And I've I've read mixed things on this but what I've deduced is that um, for the most part what they find is that kids just kind of pick it up like no one tells them hey you should have a growth mindset and you should do this it's just kind of something that they decide internally for themselves at a young age um, and, and that's really what I feel like it was for me I mean if you think about it if my parents were that way the people they were bringing into my house were that way and a lot of my other family members were very similar so it's not like I had the ability to just go out and find someone. Um, it's definitely something that I, I just sought out from a young age. I don't even really know how to describe it. I don't think I, there was ever a moment in my childhood, at least not one that's implanted in my core memory where it was like, oh yeah, this is the moment I woke up and I just decided. I think it was incrementally just little decisions over time that kind of led me here. Um, And I I just never stopped doing that. So even though now I'm obviously in a good situation, I have a great job and I have good friends and I, you know, I'm not in that environment anymore. I still very much carry the growth mindset with me um, that I had in an otherwise terrible situation. Um, I never let go of that. And I don't intend to ever let go of that, um, no matter how successful you know, quote unquote, I become. Um, I think it's really important for the organizations I serve. I think it's really important for my family. And of course, I, I think it's really important for myself as well. Mm.
1: Carol Dweck is, it, she's a hero. I, I, I My saying of the year is anyone that's read the book Mindset and not told me about it, I'm angry with you because I needed that badly. I, I have had a fixed mindset in many different areas of my life So speaking of growth and fixed mindset and Carol Dweck and all of that, for those that haven't read the book, why should they read the book? What what will they learn? What is a growth mindset?
0: So I, I don't know that I'll describe it exactly the way that the book does, but I like to reduce it down to a little snippet that everybody can remember. And it's that the growth mindset is the action mindset, right? So you can read all the books you want to read. You can listen to all the podcasts you want to listen to. Um... You can set a plan in motion for how you're going to get there. You you can do goal setting, and you can have all these big dreams and all these things you want to learn, and you can go out and try to learn those things. You can absolutely do that. You can take the courses. You can um, you know read the blogs. You can do all of that. But at the end of the day, if you're not taking action against what you're learning, you're not really learning anything. You're not retaining it anyway. Um, so I think the growth mindset can be summed up as the action mindset, and it's making sure that you are intending to do practical application with what you're learning. So if you read a book or you listen to a podcast, write down a couple things from it that you can take away as action items and then apply them for the week. See how it goes. If it doesn't work for you, scrap it. If you're like, man, I saw like amazing results, then you can keep doing it until it becomes something that you retain. And then you move on to learning the next thing. I think we get so overwhelmed, which I know you wanna talk about minimalism, so we can definitely do that as well. Um, but I think we get so overwhelmed with this concept that we can become amazing leaders overnight. um and that's just that's just not the case. If we're not willing to do you know the practical application and put in the work, it doesn't matter how much we listen to or how much we read.
1: Mm, the taking action I, I mean that that's that's exactly what it is do Do you think that people are not taking action maybe because of like fear or laziness? I mean,
0: it probably depends on the person. I would I would be willing to bet that it's it's probably a little of everything for every every person. Um, but it, I think it really comes down to maybe just ignorance, like not realizing. Oh, I should I should actually apply this. I think people just believe that all the greatest CEOs and COOs out there are just listening to podcasts on their way to work, and they're that's how they're getting you know so smart and so knowledgeable. Um, But the ones, the great ones that I know are always the ones who are applying it to how they lead their teams and how they um, communicate with their teams and how they problem solve with their teams and, um, you know, all the areas that it touches. Those are the great ones.
1: Mm -hmm. Totally agree with you. All right, minimalism. I came across this documentary (laughs) the other day and uh, I'm about to have like a bonfire in my backyard of like. Tons of things. I think my wife might kill me for doing that. But w- what is minimalism, and is that something that you're practicing?
0: Yeah, so I'm stoked to talk about this um, because a lot of what I've seen you share on minimalism comes down to the physical space. And I don't know if this is written in a book somewhere. I've never read it, so I'm sorry if like this is like copyright of someone. <laughs> but this is just out of my brain. Um, I think minimalism comes down to three spaces, physical space, digital space, and mental space. So you get a lot of people that think, oh man, I'm just going to go through my house and, you know, have a bonfire in my backyard of all my stuff. And I'm just going to feel so free. And you might for a minute until you log into your desktop and you have all these files and all these apps on your desktop and all of these, you know, apps and photos in your phone. And you just, You're so overwhelmed in your digital space. So I try to keep that space very clean as well. I reduce my apps down to just the ones I use all the time. I try to find apps like ClickUp that kind of work in a bunch of different spaces and can replace other applications. I keep my folders really neat. I get rid of things that I don't need. So I I very much am a minimalist in my digital space the same way I am my physical space. And then I think mental space, which kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, which is why I brought it up. Um, is the same way. If you pick up a book and you read 10 pages, and then you go listen to 15 minutes of a podcast that's 30 minutes, and you kind of pick up all these different things that you half start, um, and you don't finish, or you don't use practical application, then you've got all this random knowledge just kind of floating around in your head that you don't know what to do with, and you've got a messy mental space too. So I feel like keeping all of them minimal and organized is really important.
1: That's great, and so I haven't heard of those three in a book, so uh, or in a podcast or resources. You may just need to go ahead and write one because I think that was <laughs> really good.
0: <laughs> well, thank you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I now I'm convicted. I'm like, okay, so it's not just my closet; it's also my phone, and and I imagine that even doing the two of those things is probably going to lead to you having more mental space as well, and. I'm so convicted of when I've gotten on this kick of of reading these different books and podcasts and everything like that and not putting things into action, you know, just at some point information is just not going to be helpful if you're not really doing anything about it. So you're, you're inspiring me here. This is good.
0: The thing too is like people carry around a lot of thoughts and ideas in their heads and a lot of feelings and situations. And um, I think writing them down. So like journaling is really important. Or if I have business ideas or book ideas or concepts or things I want to learn, like I organize my entire life, like a project in my project tool that I use. So there's like a section for learning and development. There's a section for community building where I have like all my post ideas for LinkedIn. I don't carry all that stuff around in my brain because then Can't focus on what I'm trying to work on, and I can't give it 110% because I'm like randomly thinking of all these things that kind of just keep bouncing around in my head, you know, thoughts and ideas. So I always purge those out and come back to them when I have the space and time to do so. So, really, being a minimalist in your or being organized too, right? I feel like it's both minimalism and just being super organized and kind of managing your life the same way you would a project. Um, But being minimalistic and organized in those three areas um just really helps you to better focus on what you're trying to work on be more attentive with your your family members or you know the activities and things that you do outside of you know work or whatever it is that you're working on um, it really just helps you to be 100 percent present
1: which we all need i, I when people do the thing where they pick a word for the year, which I, I've, I've done that before. I, I don't know what my thoughts are about it. Cause I think I forgot actually, no, my word was advancement for 2022. So I do remember, but all that to say, I feel like everyone says like present or be present. That's like a very common thing I hear. Um, and I think it's because we probably, especially in America really stink at, at being present. And so just being able to, be organized with your life so that you can be where your feet are is something that I always want to be working on. Um, and so I, I, you mentioned mentors a lot. I feel like I'm being mentored on this conversation and everyone listening probably is, but it sounds like that's been a big theme in your life, just growing up with some of the challenges you went through. And then even now, uh, talk to me about some, uh, mentorship experiences.
0: Yeah, so the the mentor that that I had um, when I came to Texas is still very much my mentor today, even though I report to him as well. (laughs) But he really helps me in all things, just kind of, you know, thinking through big decisions or giving me really good feedback when maybe I wasn't the best team player, I'm not being ambiguous enough, or, um, you know, my high D is taking over a little bit and he'll kind of show me, you know, ways to lean into my strength, but also kind of navigate how to use that in a way that helps me to keep relationships, build relationships. Um, He's definitely one of the people that I think helped me to incorporate the people side of somebody who's very processed, structured, rigid, get stuff done. Um, he helped me to really incorporate the people aspect of that. Um, and it's, it's one of the greatest gifts I think I've ever been given by another human, because now I feel like I can be 10 times more impactful, um, than I was even five years ago when I met him. Um, because now I know how to build relationships with people and put people first. Whereas, um, before it was very much just that get shit done mentality.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I. I totally get that. We often say around here, be like relational, be relational over transactional. And, but at the same time, it's the, the world needs people that, that are going to get it done, you know? And so it's, it's, there's a balance to everything. And so I'm sure the people that work with you are thankful that, that you make sure to get everything done. So that's, that's great. And I, I love the experience that you've had with your mentor. And I'm sure there's been other ones in the past. And I know, I'm sure you're doing that for other people. And I even think about um, your your sons, you have two boys, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I may put you on the spot. I don't know what your answer is here. But it sounds like you sort of had this growth mindset as a kid and and just went with it. As a parent of two boys. What are some things that you're doing to instill a growth mindset in them? Is that something that you're intentionally trying to do?
0: I don't, I don't know that I'm intentionally trying to instill that in them because like I said, I've always just felt like it's something that I've had. And I do notice that my older one is much more hesitant, but I also feel like I've given them a safe space to be able to, like, they don't have that survival instinct where like everything they do is a survival decision. Um, not that my upbringing was ever like all fight or flight all the time. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like they have a safe space to where I guess they don't have to think about it in that way. Like they know they're always going to have a safe place to land. I tell my kids all the time, like if you're 30 and your business falls flat and you tried it and it didn't work out and you got to bring the kids to come stay at my house. Like, that's fine. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but maybe I'm doing like the reverse of what you're (laughs) you're saying, but I hope that they go out and they make big decisions and they try to start businesses and they, you know, go into entrepreneurship or they, um, I don't know, my son wants to be an artist. So even that is like, scary some people don't you know make a living on that they go to art school and then they just you know i don't even know the the right word but it just doesn't work out for them they can't you know make a a real living off of it and i i tell them all the time who cares like just go try it you'll always have a place to come back to whereas i feel like i didn't have that it was very much like if this doesn't work out for me like i'm on the streets (laughs) so um i think i am giving it to them but almost from a different angle, like a sense of security, if they go out and take risks. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, <laughs> no I will.
1: that's a great answer and you're a great mom. And and I think that what you said about the growth mindset is action. And so when you're saying, I think you use the word try like four times in that, like try to start a business, try to be an artist, do this, that, and the other. And I think just empowering them, that's it's gonna pay off big time. Um, Okay, what is, what is continuous improvement and what does your role look like in that today?
0: Yeah, so continuous improvement is definitely going to be something that I feel like any different, any person you ask is going to give you a different answer. Um, for me, just to take it back to its core, I learned it the same way most people learned it when it first came out. I, I learned it in the distribution manufacturing space. Um, Northeastern Pennsylvania. It was an, like I said, an aerospace and defense company. Um, and I, I got to join that team and kind of work on a couple different uh continuous improvement type projects and just loved the concept, but didn't love the manufacturing industry. And I'm sorry to anybody <laughs> who's listening that's like, hey, I'm in <laughs> manufacturing. Um, love the guys that and gals that um, work in that industry. It just wasn't for me. I love the service sector. I love the client experience. Um, I love systems and technology. And so I was like, man, I bet you, I could use this type of thinking at its core at the, you know, the base level, um, and apply it to the service sector. And at the time, this was gosh, eight, eight to 10 years ago, I didn't really hear of a lot of people, at least not where I was from that were doing that. So it was kind of maybe a little bit innovative. Um, that that's kind of the direction that I wanted to take it. So um, when I moved to Texas, I just kind of continued down that road and eventually got my uh, green belt. And then when I came to the company I'm with now, I got my black belt and continued to apply it. And basically at its core, it's just about being efficient. Um, If you apply it to like a manufacturing industry, there might be a lot of like passing parts around from person to person, which is movement waste or, you know, papers or what have you. And when you think about it in the service industry, it could be the passing of emails, like too much email traffic, too many hands that passed. Um, Maybe the client feels that, right? Like I went to this person and then they sent me to this person and then that person sent me here. And I feel like I've been all over the place and you can absolutely make that more lean where the client. He knows who to reach out to. That person is skilled enough um, to maybe follow an internal process that gets the client the answer they need without being passed around, right? So it's it's really about improving the client experience um, by driving process, driving efficiency. Um, that's really how we, we define it, I guess, in the service sector. Wow.
1: That is really cool. So I take it you have to be uh, somewhat organized to be in continuous improvement?
0: Oh, yes. Very. Because <laughs> what it comes down to is people, process, and technology, and then throw in project management. So systems implementation, like I said, project management, um, process improvement, really just communication is huge. Training is is so huge. Because there's that control element of making sure that it, the process is implemented and people were trained on it and then following up. And so you got to get somebody that doesn't just want to hand it off. They know that in three months, six months, a year, they're going to constantly be checking to make sure that that process is still working and that client experience is still going well. And that's a happy client.
1: Okay. So being in continuous improvement, I mean, what, what is, what does your team look like? How How do, how do you go about leading a team?
0: Yeah. So Most continuous improvement teams are kind of made up of either continuous improvement specialists or um, project managers. And for me, I think that's the direction that my team is heading. But when I came to the organization I'm at now, we very much were in like startup kind of mindset, small business mindset. And now we're kind of growing into a broader team. But what I can really talk about is that small business um, plan for a continuous improvement team. And, and really what that looks like is, is leading without authority, right? So you bring in a continuous improvement person and you really don't have the budget to be able to hire all these project managers or learning and development people or continuous improvement experts underneath them. You really just expect them to, to run with it, but having one person to manage and execute against all the projects and systems and, trainings and processes across your whole organization is just unrealistic. So what I ended up having to do was make the other leaders of the organization my revolving team, depending on what we were working on that year. So in, at, at the end of the year, we kind of think of what our goals are going to be for the following year based on, okay, what are the clients saying? What are our internal teams saying? We do a lot of surveying. Um, and then we figure out what those what those goals look like. And then I will analyze those goals and, okay, what departments do those touch? And then who's, who's the leadership over that department? And then I'll sync with, with that um, leader or those leaders, right? Because it, it ends up being a team at that point. And then my person that I report to, which is the chief operations officer, and then we'll talk about, okay, this is who the, this project team is going to be. And so they kind of have like a, a dotted red line to me, if you will, on their project outcomes, the scope of work, all that good stuff that goes into a successful um, project or process or change or whatever the case may be. And so I have this unique challenge and opportunity to lead these people who don't report to me and try to get them to visualize the goal, visualize the client experience, and then execute against it, right? And so I have to be able to constantly give kudos, constantly champion people, and use positivity and relationship building to get people to want to do the work. Because at the end of, at the, end of the day, I'm held to making sure that these deliverables have happened, but they may have different goals or different expectations um, as far as like what their main goals were for the year. So that can kind of get challenging to navigate. And it's it's why I say that working with people and understanding how to incorporate that into the getting shit done mentality has been like the greatest gift, because as I have gotten into you know, a more director role where I'm overseeing the projects and I'm overseeing the vision, but I'm not the one that has to do the day-to-day work. One, because I don't have the subject matter expertise, but two, I just physically can't like clone myself to be able to get it all done. So I have to rely on this team. And there's a lot of trust that goes into that. Um, Because at the end of the day, they might say, well, hey, I don't like working with her and I'm just not going to do, I'm going to ignore it. Just hope it goes away. Um, I, I don't think most humans are, are like that. I like to believe that everybody's, um, you know, on the same team and, and wants the same end result at the end of the day. But the truth is like that, that's that could be the dynamic, right? And so um, relationship building and, and gaining trust and rapport with the team and getting them to see things as a community of, of people. Um, has has definitely been one of the the biggest challenges I've ever had, but the most rewarding. And I think it's taught me so many amazing things about being a leader, um, which is so cool, because I wasn't actually responsible for these people. And so I think it's really important for anybody out there who maybe isn't yet in a leadership role is to remember that we we all are leaders and leadership is a, is a trait, it's not a title. And you have the opportunity to affect those around you, um, whether it be on projects or whether it be in just something you're working on with your peers, like stand up and take the lead on whatever it is that you guys are working on and do so in a way where you're thinking of them first. So, you know, thinking, okay, this is the goal we have to get to. How can I make sure that their thoughts and ideas are heard? How can I make sure that everybody sees the same vision? How can I unify this group of people um, without even having to be in a leadership role? And you can gain that type of experience. And I think, um, like I said, that's been one of the most, I guess, like valuable things that I've learned um, in this in this life, in this journey of continuous improvement.
1: Wow. That, that's, that's so good. I'm, I'm struggling to stay in my seat here uh, because I, I I talk about this all the time. I think that people try to wait until they're, you know, crowned with the, the, the leadership title to, to start quote leading. And I think that's one of the biggest problems we have in our world um, because if you wait until you have the title, you likely have no experience leading and then you're going to be like 99% of managers, who get promoted because of, you know, success as an individual contributor or a company growing. Like every HR leader I talk to says, yeah, people got promoted, but they don't know how to lead. And so when you are practicing leading through influence instead of with title, you're learning all of these things. And I'm trying to learn myself. And and I think it's the sign of a true leader that I see in you that you don't have to have the title you're not bossing people around maybe the the high du from several years ago but not anymore (laughs) um so i mean this is this is good and I, i really want a lot of people that don't have leadership titles right now to hear it because i think it'll really uh it'll really inspire some people um but last thing before we go um i don't do this on every episode but mallory has recently been experiencing wild spark um, and because she's a high D, she's probably going to give me some honest feedback here. If she says anything bad, I'll probably cut it out. Uh, but I would love to hear just a quick overview of of what your experience with Wild Spark has been like over the last two months.
0: It's it's been amazing. I loved getting to work through my story, both you know personally and professionally, as we talked about in the earlier part of this discussion. And I've really just enjoyed that journey. And I like that what the system does is kind of ask you the right questions to pull that out of you. It made me think about things in a way that I hadn't thought about them before and organize them in a way, we know I love organization, um, that maybe I hadn't organized them before and it helped me to then go back and kind of reflect on it in a way I hadn't seen before. Like it created a big picture for me that I hadn't ever seen kind of in totality. Um, and so I really enjoyed that aspect of it, but then on the other side of that, and and I think just to give you some, some honest feedback, I think some, it might be hard to get thinking about applying it to my team. It might be hard to get everybody engaged in it, but man, if when you do, and you're able to, and thankfully everybody that's in the wild spark group, like they wanted to be there, they volunteered for that. Um, the community that comes out of it, the things you can learn about each other—like I made friends for life in that group—and just getting to join the one-to-one calls and learning about their stories and reading it in the community—I um, think we're all like much closer now. And I don't think that any of us are any of us are going to walk away from it and just say, "Man, I'm never talking to that person again." Like we're all just uniquely close. And to think about the fact that we're all strangers. I can only imagine what that would do for a team that already know each other and then should just know each other that much more, um, in ways that maybe they hadn't known each other before with just, you know, transparency and honesty and community, um, in really meaningful ways. There are so many amazing, meaningful conversations that kind of come up in the thread. Um, but I'd be curious to know how people are getting their leaders that maybe don't engage in that kind of stuff involved
1: well um the wild spark sales team is hiring and i'll be messaging mallory right for this uh <laughs> no but thank you i'm glad you've experienced that you've added a ton of value and to to quickly explain a little bit wild spark we've got like a lesson that we'll do every month uh, one of the lessons mallory did was on story and so We say that in order to lead a team, you have to be able to lead yourself. In order to be able to lead yourself, you have to know yourself. And so it brings you back through some of the key events of your life, gets you to think through those, and then you share it with other people. And so within organizations, this is happening. And um, people are just leveling up because people want to be seen and they want to be known in the place that they're spending most of their waking hours. And so uh, thanks for your kind words about that, Mallory. And um, this has been amazing on our next episode we'll have to get you to do an Isma impersonation impression uh but seriously thank you so much for for joining us
0: yeah it was great to be here and it's never going to happen but
1: <laughs> all right have a good one thanks Hey everybody! I'm your host Hampton Dorch, and I know that you know that I love that quote from Mallory Glessner. You do not have to have a title to be a leader. Mallory, our guest today, is going to be talking about being a high D on the disc, a challenger. To also share some of her difficult upbringing and how a growth mindset helped her overcome challenging things. We'll talk about minimalism. She's also in continuous improvement. She shares a lot about what that means and how she's able to serve companies in that. And then we'll talk about uh, how she's parenting her two boys today. This is definitely not one that you're going to want to miss. It is time for you and me to wake up and lead.